Hey there, it's Janie Porter, and this is She Just Glows, the podcast. I'm gonna help you find joy and purpose in your life just as it is today. Not tomorrow, not when life is perfect, not when you win a million dollars or your kids finally stop peeing on the seat, but right now. I'm a life coach, a writer, a wife, and a mom of four. And just like you, I spend my days fighting through the pressure to be thin, happy, and have the perfect house and the perfect life. But here's the thing, I've never found perfection. What I have found is that it's so much better to just be real. So grab a cup of coffee and join me like you would a girlfriend. We'll talk mom life, body image, letting go of the lie of perfection, and learning to thrive in the chaos of our world today. You've got your own life coach in your back pocket now. This is She Just Glows, the podcast. Hey there, hey there. Whoo, okay. Well, this will be a party. This will be a fun one, right? Let's talk about suffering. Please join me, the Joy Coach, Joy Coach Janie from She Just Glows, <laughs> here to talk about suffering. But man, don't we all suffer? Don't we all have times when we can barely breathe? Life is heavy. Life is indescribably painful. And we don't all have the same thing. But girl, let me tell you, everyone has experienced suffering. And first things first, we are not going to discriminate here. The first thing I want to tell you about suffering is please do not suffer shame yourself. Okay? What's that? Suffer shaming is privileged problems, first world problems. Because I don't have the worst of the worst of it, I can't be suffering. I must be weak if I'm crying today as I talk about my husband leaving me this past year and moving back in. I'm going to get to that story in a little more detail as we go through the episode. This whole like suffer hierarchy, I've written posts about this. Life is not a misery contest. Don't suffer shame yourself. Don't suffer shame other people. It's just a bunch of crap. You can be suffering from any number of reasons. And by the way, suffering is part of the human condition. It's not your job to judge those reasons for yourself or anyone else. But do you have those people in your life where you share like a bad day that you're having and they have to beat you? <laughs> you're just like, honestly, my, my day still sucks. Like, I'm sorry you have had a bad day too or you've like one-upped my problems. <laughs> but yeah, the suffer shaming, I'm so bored of it. I'm just not into it. So it's not going to happen here. But there are so many reasons you could be suffering today, and they're not stupid. You could be like me, and your husband's left you, and you're suffering. I talk more about that four-month hellhole of mine in the last episode of this podcast, if you want some backup. It's called, My Husband Left. <laughs> and I'm expanding here on a lot of what I talked about in that episode. So catch up on that, and then meet us back here if you haven't already. But other reasons you could be suffering and you are entitled to be suffering with zero shaming or judgment. Here are a few reasons I came up with just off the top of my head. You're sick of being at the same weight and every time you put on clothes, you hate your body and you don't feel good in your own skin. You're in a deeply hurtful disagreement with your mom or your siblings or another family member. You miss your dad. You miss someone close to you who's passed away. Your children disrespect you in ways that seem innocuous, but uh, they cut to your core. They make you question everything about yourself. Am I even a good person? You and your husband are disconnected 
roommates, not aligned at all, not even friends. Your marriage is lonely. You hate your job. You are failing every day and you're failing at home too. You dread your life. You dread your life. Every morning when you wake up, nothing is actually wrong in quotes, but everything feels wrong. What's wrong with me? That's just a sprinkling of a few I thought of off the top of my head, but suffering is real. And to say that because we aren't in a war zone or our children are healthy and we eat dinner every single night, to say that we don't have suffering because we're not in those acute situations is just not true at all. Everyone experiences pain in some level and there are varying degrees, but to believe that your suffering is insignificant is suffer shaming yourself and it just doesn't serve anyone. So please stop. The truth is there is pain at varying levels in everyone's life. And after two years of being a life coach for women like you, I can say that with confidence. There is pain at varying levels in everyone's life. My pain during my separation with my husband was pretty simple. I did not want to be separated. He did. And I felt that I could do nothing to change that despite trying very hard. Oh my gosh. I was such a wreck. I mean, I'm still a wreck. <laughs> I've been crying through the last episode I recorded and I will definitely be shedding some tears here. This is actually sort of my sharing is my way of shedding this story in my life. This is part of my healing. So thank you for witnessing it. But I've been such a wreck this last year, you guys. I mean, don't ask me how I'm doing. You ever have those days? Like if someone says, how are you doing? I will crumble into a puddle of tears at your feet. That was me for all of last fall. My workout partner, who I barely know, he's like a 65-year-old man who I work out with with my trainer. How are you doing? Could not contain the tears, the sorrow, the heartache, the heartbreak, the heart shattering. Friends at the park, how are you doing? That question, I, I just couldn't not cry as, as hard as I tried. I could not contain my sorrow. I couldn't. I wrestled with God at this whole idea that this life just seemed so unfair. These four months of waking up every morning and having to pick my shattered heart off the ground and try to piece it back together so that it at least looked whole so I could go about my day and be somewhat of a whole adult for my kids. But you know, the truth about being shattered is nothing can fix that. Like when glass shatters, you don't get out super glue and glue one piece to another. No, it's shattered. There's no glue involved. You sweep it up. It's done. You throw it away. It's not fixable. And that was how I felt about our situation. I was, oh gosh, I was in such acute pain. I remember crying on a phone call with my life coach, Jody, and just saying like, it hurts so bad. It just hurts so bad. 
I can't stand this pain much longer. That's suffering, guys. That's suffering. And you may not be even talking to someone about it, but if you feel that way, you know what this feels like. You know what suffering feels like. And in this episode, I'm going to get through some of the things that helped me when I was in my dark, dark time. I wanted to fix my marriage so badly so my husband would move back in. I wanted like, I wanted that outcome, you know? Like you have your outcome that you want in your time of suffering. I wanted my outcome. A happy home, four kids, two parents, somewhat functional. Like I wanted it so badly. But it wasn't just up to me, obviously. I needed the other parent to be on board with that. And the truth was we had a ton to work out. And he was wanting to work on it too, but we just weren't, it wasn't working. We kept talking in circles for years. So during our separation, after weeks and weeks of anguish, I got to a point where I, I couldn't fight anymore. And I fought. I fought so hard, but something changed for me at one point. I'd been praying so hard for God to do his will. And I'm careful when I pray. And I just want to say real quick here, you may not pray. You may not believe in God. This may not be your thing. But girl, when you're suffering, there is nothing you won't do. So don't let this God talk like cause you to tune out. I want you to stay here with me if you would do me that honor. But when I pray, I'm, I'm really careful not to pray for outcomes. So I wasn't like, God, please bring Scott home, even though I wanted that more than anything. But I mean, if he came back, there was so much to fix, obviously. It wasn't just the separate houses. It was the separate hearts that felt miles, continents, oceans apart. Our separation, the separation of our hearts just felt insurmountable. Even if we both wanted it, it just started to feel impossible. The outcome I wanted was clear. I wanted our love back. I wanted our family back together in the same house. And I was seriously fixated on that. As you can imagine, if you're suffering, you're fixated on fixing it, an outcome that you want. I couldn't stop. It was like, if it doesn't end this way, and here's the thing. If it doesn't end this way, I can never be happy or whole. And that, my friends, is what being attached to an outcome looks like. Having true joy in life is about not being attached to certain outcomes. It's about finding peace, love, and joy in yourself, in your relationship with the Lord in my life, and in many of my clients. You can't be attached to outcomes. Any life coach will tell you that, okay? Here's the problem with that. Well, I, I can't not attach to the outcome of a happy home and family. Why would I detach from that outcome? Isn't that more important than anything? Like as a mom, isn't your children's peace, well-being, safety, stability, and security numero uno? Like nothing is changing that. That is visceral. But... That was how I felt. If I don't get my family back together, I cannot be happy or whole. If I don't get X, I can't be happy or whole. Do you have an X right now? 
that you don't have and that's why you believe you can't be happy or whole? My life coach kept telling me, you have to detach from the outcome. And I'm like, why? That, that felt like accepting defeat. So again, I'd cling to control, trying to stop this nightmare, doing everything I could, damage control, talking, praying, therapy for our children. I mean, everything. Same thing you would do if you were in my shoes. And maybe you have been. But then every morning, I woke up. And there I was, still right in the middle of it. it. It was like a vicious cycle. I tried and tried, and it didn't seem like I was getting any closer to the outcome that I so desperately wanted. I, I remember feeling every day like I was in an emotional torture chamber. Eventually, about two months in, I remember it was right before Thanksgiving last year, in 2022, I'm recording this in October of 2023, um, right before Thanksgiving last year, a few things had happened and I just said, I'm done. Something clicked in me and I said, I can't keep fighting this. I can't fix this situation. I kept trying, I kept believing, and then I got to a point and the light turned off and I just said, no more. I told my sister, my sister-in-law, and my mom, I'm done. This is not fixable. Not I'm done with the marriage or I'm done with my husband, but I'm done fighting for this thing that I'm not sure he wants in the same way that I do. It felt very fruitless. I didn't have any more hope that my way was going to work. And so I decided... I will no longer hope for him to come home. It's not that I didn't want the outcome anymore. It just did not feel reasonable anymore. And I was tired. Have you ever felt that way? In your suffering, it's almost like you just succumb to the pain. Like you've been fighting and fighting, and at a certain point, you're just so exhausted. Your hope, it's just, it's gone. And that's what I told my sisters and my mom in this text. I said something like, I no longer have hope that he will come back. And so the next morning, my sister made me feel literally the most loved I've ever felt in my life by, it, by another person. Because I had given up. My sister on this group text just every day started texting prayers. And if you don't believe in praying, this may sound silly, but if you're suffering, nothing is silly. Nothing's beneath you. She started texting these really detailed personal pleadings with the Lord. on behalf of my family and me and my marriage. And this was like in the group text every day. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I was out of hope.
but the people around me were not. And that's the first thing you need when you're suffering. You need people around you who will believe when you don't anymore. And I'm not a quitter. I don't quit at anything. I finish everything. Like, I don't give up. This is so out of my personality. And I just, it was so foreign to me to just say, no more. And to have them surround me in prayer. Believing on my behalf when I didn't believe anymore. Hoping on my behalf when I had no energy left to hope. Yeah. My sister interceded on my behalf and prayed the things I no longer could. And I'd read these beautiful prayers she'd text every day. And they were different and they were detailed and hopeful and beautiful. And I would just think, that's nice. I'm glad you have that hope. But there's no way. If that happens, which it won't, it would be a complete miracle. Absolutely no way. And I've been a Christian all my life, but I can't really tell you that I believe in miracles. That's something that happens in Bible times. That's like, you know, no. There's no such thing as that. I really didn't believe in miracles. It was so weird because during this time when I decided to stop hoping, I sort of decided to also stop fighting and, and like let go of the fact that I thought I could get my desired outcome. Because I'd proven to myself I couldn't. I'd tried and tried. It wasn't working. And so I said, enough. So something shifted for me around Thanksgiving last year, about two months into my husband being moved out. I went from fighting to a shift. I started accepting. I actually dared to accept that maybe God's will for my life was to be a divorced single mom of four. What do I know? There are many divorced single moms who are living God's will and leading very rewarding lives. And I salute every single one of you. Because this is just the tiniest piece of the pie. I mean, four months of this, and I'm like bawling my eyes out right now. Like, some of you have been through so much. But I just, I just began accepting. I, I just, I began to imagine that life. What would that life look like? I would have four children and no steady source of income. Aside from life coaching, which I would definitely have to spend more time doing. Um, my husband's the breadwinner. But I just began to think through, where would we live? What would I do? Maybe this is God's will for my life. And I just vowed, God, if you want me to be single, I hate that for myself. But I'll do it. And you know what? I'll be amazing at it. And someone who was really inspirational to me in that is Lisa Turkhurst. She is my favorite writer of all time, and she's a very inspiring, um, God-centered leader. 
an author and she writes a lot about her own divorce. So if you are in a situation very similar to mine and you're hearing a lot of parallels to your life, look up Lisa Turkhurst's books. She has so many. Her first name is L-Y-S-A. I'm not even going to name all the titles. You'll see them and say, I need that. I need that. I need that. Just buy them. Thank me later. Send me a DM later at She Just Glows. <laughs> on Instagram, Facebook, and now, you guys, I'm on TikTok. Can you even handle it? Like, I'm, I'm on TikTok with all the 20-year-olds, like, watching them do the craziest things. It's so fun on TikTok, though. Don't join, though, if you haven't yet. It's terribly addicting. But this shift was I surrendered to the outcome of this separation. I just surrendered. I decided to let go of thinking I could control this situation. What a concept, right? You're suffering. All you want to do is fix it. Because why? You want to get out of the emotional torture chamber. You want to move forward. You want to be happy again. Fix, fix, fix. It's all I wanted to do too. But eventually, the fixing I was trying to do was clear, wasn't working, and I was just so exhausted. And so I just, I let go. And then I realized how exhausting it had been, just white knuckling every day, fighting a fight that wasn't mine to fight. And I think it was just such sheer desperation. And maybe you've been here. I had to give it to God. I was done. I couldn't fight anymore. It was like for those few years, like, my hands were clenched in fists because I was trying to will what I wanted into happening. And then with every prayer and every day that followed when I decided, I'm done. I'm not even going to let myself hope anymore. I know that sounds hopeless and negative, but it, it allowed me to step into this place of accepting and surrendering to my suffering. Every time I did that, little by little, those clenched fists opened one by one. With every prayer, another finger would unclench and slowly open up. When I'd pray, God, I accept whatever you have in store for me. Another finger opens up. Because, God, I accept all that you have in store for me because I know no matter how painful or awful it is, you've got me. I had to. It's like, you know, you see those marathon runners at the end of the race, like they just collapse into someone's arms. They don't know who it is. <laughs> You're just like, I'm done. Just take it. That was where I was at. All those fingers opened up and relaxed until eventually I had let go of my pride in my marriage. I had so much pride wrapped up in being married for so long, being married young, and it's gone. I, I had let go of even the pain that I knew our kids would experience if we did get divorced. I had to just let it all go because I couldn't change it. I couldn't save them from that. And I just said, God will take care of me no matter what happens. And that may sound like blind faith, but again, the marathon runner collapsing into someone's arms at the end of the race, that's what it is. It's, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to fall. And if this is where you are right now, I just encourage you. This is something that really helped me during my suffering. Clench your hands right now or do it after you're done listening to this episode. <sighs> Breathe in and out. 
and say those things. And even if you're not praying them, just say them. I accept where I am today. Let those palms loosen. I am exactly where I need to be. Breathe in and out. I cannot control this and I never have. That was a helpful one for me. I've never controlled this anyway. Why am I thinking I can now? Deep breaths. And then eventually, your palms are just open and they're facing the sky. And that is the posture of surrendering. I'm not even used to doing that with my hands, much less my life. My hands are always clenched because I'm working at stuff. I find my hands are always clenched. My husband makes fun of me. I do this weird thing with my thumb all the time. It's bizarre. (laughs) Hands up, palms up, palms up. You're feeling heavy. You're feeling trapped. You're feeling in this pit of mud that you can't get out of. Two words, girl, palms up. Go through that exercise I just went through with you. And if you need to, mark the spot where it is in this episode and return to it when you need it. The Calm app is also amazing. I didn't use it during my separation and my painful time, but I know there are meditations on there that you would really, really benefit from if surrendering to your suffering is what you need. Release yourself from the responsibility of fixing it. Release yourself from the belief that you need your desired outcome in order to be whole. Say this, I let go, I accept. So I had gotten to this place, I don't know how, because I am the ultimate control freaking A type, but I was out of options. So I had gotten to this place where I just accepted I surrendered to the suffering and I let go of my desired outcome. Around that time, and there's really no other way to put this, around that time, God worked a miracle. And I really hate saying that because it's not very cerebral. It's not very life coachy. It's based on my personal beliefs in the Lord. But that's what happened, guys. Not going to change it for you. Not going to take God out of it. That is what happened. The miracle was my husband changed. And of course, I questioned it right away. I was like, is this real? Could I really believe this? You know, we'd had like cycles of things are better. He's he's a little different. Things are different. They're better. It was really subtle. But over a few times of seeing him, I remember telling my sisters, it was hard to explain because it wasn't anything he said or did. His countenance was different. His countenance was different. In preparing for this episode, I just went back and read what I wrote in my journal. Here's what it was on the day that this kind of like clicked for me. I said, I notice a change in him. Hard to describe. Nothing he's done. His countenance is softer. I told him today I see a change in him. Feeling optimistic. This is the man I know and love and respect. I hope this lasts. But as I said, I was, I was optimistic, but very cautious. And then little by little, I saw the person I used to know reemerge. 
Here again in front of me was the man I fell in love with. The amazing, loving, gentle, patient, humble man I know. And as you can imagine, there is so much more to explain there. But I'm going to leave it at that because you get the picture. Not sharing every detail here because the privacy of my family is important. My husband's given the clear to share this story, but he needs to feel loved and respected in the way I share this story. And that's my ultimate goal. But that's what it was. He was back. I felt it. I knew. I still had doubts, though. I wrote in my um, journal a week or so later, I find myself wondering when it will expire. Do you ever feel this way when your suffering takes a break? I'm expecting it, even wishing it, so the house of cards can collapse again. And at least I know I can trust that. The other side of me, most of me, is daring to be optimistic. What if he really is changed? Will it really last? When will my heart trust him again? How long will that take? I wish I had insurance or a guarantee that he would never leave again, but I don't. I never have, and I never will. So now what? Right? So yeah, now what? He's different. Now what? Things were great for a month or two. I noticed this change. I know him so well that I really felt in my soul that it was lasting and it was authentic, most importantly. And basically, I reasoned that I don't have a guarantee he'll never leave again, but I've never had that before anyway. So I decided to trust. And he moved back in around the first of the year, about four months later. First, he was in the guest room. And then after a month or so, we moved back into the same bedroom. He moved back into our bedroom. We'd been in counseling through all of this with our pastor, and that continued was so helpful to have another uh, Christian influence who believed in our marriage more than we did at times. Just like when I was sharing my sister um, praying those prayers over our family. It was very important to me during my suffering to have others in my life who believed even when I didn't. And not everyone does that, guys. When things are going bad and really off track in your marriage, a lot of people are just going to say, screw him, right? Like, that's not cool. That's not cool. And they're trying to be supportive and I don't fault them for that. But it's so comforting to have people in your life who simply believe in your marriage, even when you don't. And that's something that I try to bring to other people in my personal life who are going through similar situations. Believing their marriage, even when they're not able to in that moment. Well, when he moved back in in January, So I'm recording this now in October. This was about 10 months ago, nine months ago. Obviously, that was just the beginning of the work. I mean, we had so much to work through, and that's what we've been doing together over the last several months. That's why I've really just gone inward, and I've been focusing on my kids, my husband, my household, and I've needed that emotional bandwidth to focus on my family. And it's been good. It's been very fruitful. And so the natural question people ask is like, how did he move back in? Like, what happened? How's it now? How did you fix things? And to be honest with you, we're still writing that part of the story. But I can tell you, and I wouldn't share an episode on this if I didn't feel this way. These last several months have been so healing for our entire family. And there's been so much redemption 
between Scott and I. I do trust him again, if you can believe that. It's been a year, but I do trust him again. And maybe we'll share more about that in another episode down the line. But there's a lot of good that's been going on in the last several months here in our house. It's been so hard, though. But if I had to sum it up, I'd say this. And this is what I tell people when they ask what happened. The Lord brought my husband back. The Lord brought my husband back. That is literally what happened. There's no other way that that would have happened. It was impossible. The workhorse, me, the control freak, me, who wanted nothing more than for him to move back and our family to be back to normal, tried everything. Like there was no way this was happening except by a miracle. And I wish there was a more cerebral reason for it. I really do, but there's not. I experienced a true miracle. I surrendered, hope was gone. I gave it to God and then a miracle happened. Now, ironically, I got what I wanted when I let go of outcomes and surrendered it all completely to God. But does that mean that when you surrender your suffering, you'll get exactly what you want? Don't you wish? Of course. Of course not. Wouldn't that be nice if that's how it was? But I knew that no matter what the outcome was, I would be okay. And I just had to live in that. And then within a couple weeks, he had this unignorable change in his countenance that knowing him as well as I do over three decades, I knew it was real. And it only comes from God. And if he was here, he would have a lot to share about that too and how his walk with the Lord has forever changed But there are a few things you get when you surrender, regardless of the outcome. The first one is you learn who you really are. So if you're in suffering right now, I know this is like, please don't tell me why I'm going to be happy I'm going through this. That is so obnoxious. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to learn who you really are. I really love this explanation of pain and suffering I found in an article in the National Library of Medicine. It says, although pain and suffering are unpleasant, they are not per se either destructive or constructive forces which tear down or build up the self. Rather, they are part of a person's life. And the self is the result of various experiences, including pain and suffering, which have an existential dimension in as much as they depend on the person's attitude, resources for their management, as well as choices and commitments related to that person's attachment to life in the world. See, suffering is horrible and awful and painful. But when you suffer, you have a direct look at who you really are. Is there a gift in suffering? Am I going to dare to try to tell you in your dark, dark mud pit of suffering that, you know, there's a gift in there? I'm not going to say that, but... My life coach told me something in some of my worst moments, and she said, you're going to hate me for saying this, but in five years, you are going to be so thankful for this time. And I said, impossible. This is my worst nightmare come true. I'm not one of those people who's happy about pain and my children suffering. And, you know, no, she was right. It's been a year, and I'm so thankful for it. It doesn't make the suffering any easier. I know that. And here's what else I got when I surrendered to the suffering. I got to rest. 
I was so tired. So very tired. Remember, palms up. Let it go. Stop fighting. Stop trying to control outcomes. Have you ever noticed that when you're in physical pain, it like dissipates when you stop fighting it? So like, it's like the pain when you're in labor, right? There's, there's nothing you can do to escape the pain, right? I had a friend before I had my first baby, had all my kids without an epidural. First one, because I just didn't have time. And then the last three, because I was just too afraid to try it the other way. And I just knew what the pain was like. So it seemed less scary to me. My friend before my first kid, who had also had a natural birth, she goes, here's the thing with labor, okay? She's like, it's ocean waves, okay? You see them in the distance. You know they're coming. They're coming. It's getting more intense. The wave is going to wash over you at the height of your contraction. And then it's going to wash back out to sea. You're going to have a few minutes to breathe. The key in that analogy, which I've used in all my births, is the pain will pass. And if I stop fighting the pain, because if you're sitting in the sand, you're not trying to like push the ocean wave back out. There's nothing you can do to stop that ocean wave, right? So if you stop trying to fight the pain, it doesn't hurt as much. You stop using energy to fight it. You can let go, sort of like let the pain take over your body. This is still in the labor analogy. And just like wait for it to wash back out to sea. So there's something in there to me that aligns with this idea of suffering. And when you stop fighting it, not saying you want to be in pain, no one wants to be in pain. Heck no. But it's less horrible when you're just not fighting it. You know, it's like when your kid scrapes their knee and they're crying about it, making this big thing about it. It's it hurts more, you know, because you're thinking about it. A lot of times suffering hurts no matter what, and I get that. But when you stop fighting for your desired outcome and you just surrender to what is and accept that this is the painful chapter of life that you're stuck in right now, like a freaking prison, something lightens in that. You get to rest. You get a little bit of peace, a little tiny bit. A few other things surrendering taught me. It taught me God is near and he cares about my every pain. I've never needed my time with the Lord like I did during my separation. I almost missed that time because I was so desperate, desperate for any comfort I could have before I started my day. It was non-negotiable, my time with the Lord. And sadly, even now, a year later, it's not the same. I'm not as disciplined about that time with him, but he was near during that and it was a beautiful comfort to me. Surrendering to my suffering also taught me that I'm strong. Some of my favorite mantras I want to share with you. I will be fine no matter what. If something unknown happens, I will figure it out. I'm resourceful. This won't last forever. And I had a lot of people telling me that. And I was like, you're not in this. This feels like forever now. It's torture. Another mantra I loved reminding myself of was, 
I don't know how this story ends, but God does. I found that really comforting. Oh, suffering taught me that I have loved ones who show up for me. I never would have known how much they'll show up for me if I hadn't gone through this suffering. My sister, my brother, my mom, my dad, my friends, I'll never forget how they were there for me in my suffering. And that's really deepened our relationships, obviously. Totally deepened our relationships. Suffering also helps me relate to other people who are going through it, obviously. Has your husband moved out? I understand that. Have you been dropped by your person who you've invested a lot of your life into? I understand that pain. And you're not alone. Those are some of the lessons that were carved into my life in the most painful storm I've ever experienced. And I'm so glad I learned all of it, but it sucked, okay? <laughs> like, it sucked. But I would never want to avoid that storm now if I had the chance because it grew me. It grew me. And it's also deepened my love for my husband. Believe it or not, this whole situation has has brought us closer, I am so glad to say, because it could have gone the other way. But to learn those lessons, I had to experience that pain. To experience the gifts of suffering, you have to experience the suffering fully. Well, that sucks. Yeah, you can't skirt around it, you know? Like Psalm 23, one of the most quoted chapters in the Bible, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't walk around it. You don't walk by it. You don't walk on the mountaintop looking down like, oh, that looks scary. No, you walk through the valley. Reminds me of that scene in The Princess Bride. What's that swamp called where everyone dies and there's all those crazy animals? Like, you have to go through it. To experience the gifts of suffering, you have to experience the suffering fully. Oh, and that might be exactly what you're doing right now. That might be why you pulled up this episode and said, I need this. It starts with suffering and then surrender. And then, and you may not want to hear this right now, but I'm still going to say it. I believe God will redeem your pain and heal you. And if you decide to, you can turn that pain into something amazing. That might feel like too far of a jump right now, and I totally get it. You don't need to get there yet, but I'm, I'm there for you. Everyone suffers at some point in their life. The question is, will you surrender or will you fight those ocean waves? It may not mean you get your outcome. Most of the time, we don't. But when we release control, palms up, we surrender to the suffering, it gets a little easier. And at the end of this storm, I promise you, and you may not believe it and that's okay, but I promise you there will be a reason for it and you will be better for it. 
look, I don't know exactly what's on your heart today and what your pain looks like in detail, but I can tell you this, you will get through it. You are not alone. This is not forever. And maybe, just maybe, God can use it for good. I'm so glad we got to do this today. Listen, everybody knows word of mouth is the best advertising. So if you liked what you heard, follow, share, leave a review. And there's so much more where that came from. Go to SheJustGlows.com to read words of encouragement and inspiration that you just might need today. There you'll also learn about my work as a life coach and how we can work together. My publications have been viewed more than 4 million times by moms around the world. We have such an amazing community. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and well, that's all I got right now. I've decided I'm too old for TikTok. Remember, you've got this. You are enough. I'll see you next time. And until then, you glow girl.